but I'm not here to expand on sections we agree on, rather to call your attention to some language and concepts which have been used and which are guaranteed to be offensive to Jews in the sense that they negate our identity and our very place in the world. So I'm referring, of course, to section four of the proposed resolution where we read, and I'm quoting now, we ask our churches to study and reflect upon the parallels between the dispossession of Palestinians from their homes and lands and the experience of broken treaties and the occupation of unceded territories of indigenous peoples in Canada. That's the voice of Rabbi Gila Kane. She's the spiritual leader of Edmonton's Temple Beth Ora, and she was speaking a couple of weeks ago at the policy-making gathering of the Anglican Church of Canada. They're the third largest Christian denomination in the country with over a million followers. So why was a Jewish rabbi speaking at a keynote speech about Israel and Judaism at the Anglican Synod, which is where their bishops and clergy and lay leaders set down policy every couple of years? Well, because the Anglican Church was about to debate a resolution, number A160, about peace and justice in Palestine and Israel. That's how they call it. And Canada's rabbis and the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs had got wind of it in advance, and they were not happy with it because it blames Israel completely for all the trouble without saying a word about Palestinian terrorism against Israel. And the resolution calls on Canada to monitor why Israel, it says, is jailing and also killing Palestinian children. The resolution describes systemic discrimination against Palestinians, and there's a lot more, such as welcoming reports by groups such as B'Tselem and Amnesty International, which the Israeli government sees as totally one-sided. And although the resolution does support Israel's right to exist and condemns anti-Semitism, there's also a comparison between the Palestinian people and First Nations in Canada, which is where Rabbi Gila Kane came in. In response to that, I would like to remind us that the whole world is not Canada and cannot be read through the Canadian experience. A letter sent to you by the mainstream Canadian Jewish organizations just a few days ago explains this clearly. To call Jews colonizers delegitimizes Jewish history and self-determination, end quote. It also attempts to undermine our core identity as Jews and to shatter our connection to all that is sacred and life-giving. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, July the 17th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The Anglican Synod had another resolution on the books about Jews, which just passed a day or two earlier, where they got rid of a long-standing prayer in their official hymn book that called for the conversion of Jews. And instead, they replaced it with a new one, calling for reconciliation with the Jewish people. So that resolution prompted a nice press release from CJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, and was a gratifying moment also for Vancouver Rabbi Adam Stein, who'd played a key role in getting that done over the past three to four years. So fast forward the next day, when CJA and Canada's rabbis fired off a critical news release over the resolution about peace and justice in Palestine and Israel, because it passed... And even though there were some Anglicans who tried to have the resolution put on hold until it could have more talks with Jewish leaders... The Anglican primate herself, Archbishop Linda Nichols, urged the gathering to adopt it now. Still, the final resolution did get amended a bit, thanks to a powerful and heartfelt speech by Rabbi Kane. She was born and raised in Jerusalem. She serves as the rabbi at Edmonton's Reform Congregation Temple Beth Ora. And she joins me now to explain what she said and what happened. Shalom, Ellen. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for getting up so early to be on our show. <laughs> 
I want to talk to you because you were just at the Anglican Church Lutheran um, Synod in Calgary and spoke and addressed the the members there. And I, I think it'd be really helpful for us to hear, first of all, a little background on how that came to happen, that you actually were there. Reverend Scott Sherman, who, who is one of the people who was involved in creating a certain resolution that I was actually going down to address, is someone I know here from Edmonton. Um, I have a few colleagues, friends, people I'm you know, in, in some contact with in the Anglican Church, and he approached me a few months ago to ask if I or someone else, some other rabbi from Alberta, would be able to come down and address the Synod relating to this resolution that, they, that was in the pipelines, and they wanted to um, receive some feedback or thoughts from the Jewish community. All right, so you had see, seen the resolution too before you yes. decided what to say. Let's talk about what was the resolution and what was problematic about it. Okay, so I think various sections of the Jewish community would have various problems or or issues or questions about this. It's not the first such resolution. Uh, We know that the United Church had a resolution a couple of years ago, and I'm sure other big religious bodies have these kinds of resolutions coming out now. And it's a resolution on peace and justice in Palestine and Israel and it, it's from a, specifically from a Christian perspective, um, relating to the generally to the situation in Israel and Palestine. But uh, as I was listening to them actually at the synod, it was really interesting to see their focus on their Christian brothers and sisters in Israel. Right. So that was actually a perspective that I haven't heard before, and it was very interesting for me. Um, My main problem with the resolution, like the biggest problem that I had, and that's the one I addressed when I was speaking to them, was a section talking about uh, parallels between the dispossession of Palestinians from their homes and lands and experience of broken treaties um, and occupation of unceded territories of indigenous peoples in Canada. And it goes on a bit. Okay, I mean, on that point, they they basically equated white supremacy and uh, colonial settlerism with those languages, right? Those are mm-hmm. the, the, the words. The settler colonial languages. Right, settler colonial language, how Canada and the European settlers dispossessed the First Nations here to uh, Jewish settlers uh, dispossessing and the Palestinians. So how did you tell them these two yeah. are not the same? Yeah, so... Um... I knew I was addressing, I'm a rabbi, I told them very clearly that I am speaking as a rabbi and not as a politician, um, and I, I, I knew I was addressing a room of religious leaders, so the language I used was religious, and I just gave them a little uh, vault, a little dvar Torah about the connection between the Jews and Eretz Israel, and I was very clear to talk about Eretz Israel because I'm not going into this whole, which, what government is doing what, okay? But the connection between the Jewish people and Eretz Israel precedes the state of Israel. Okay, that's the reason why there is a state. But we've had a connection for a few thousand years, and I spoke to them. Not only I not only gave them a few examples, just because they're religious people, to understand, you know, how our synagogues are oriented towards Eretz Israel, about the prayers for rain that are always in alignment with Eretz Israel. But I, I Mamash talked about how um, Jewishness is a land-based identity and spirituality. And that's, that's what I, the whole talk was unpacking this statement of what it means to be a land-based identity and spirituality and how it plays out in Jewish culture and tradition. 
Um, and it's much a physical thing with us that our physicality is much connected to the land. And I used, I specifically used language that Canadians can understand. Okay, so land-based identity is something Canadians can understand. And I showed them how this uh, appears within Jewish culture. And that it's not a political thing. It's a, it's a religious, spiritual, cultural part of who we are. And I think most Jews can agree on that. <laughs> right. Even the ones who would agree with some of the language in these resolutions, such as um, uh, opposing the occupation, their, their words in this resolution, opposing what Israel's blockade of Gaza and all that. So what did they do? Uh, did, they, did you succeed in watering down some of the problematic language? Yes. So first of all, I would like to say that the, the whole assembly was extremely friendly and welcoming. They wanted to hear what I had to say. They, they were, they mamash wanted to, and they were listening. And I know they were listening because after, so we had three, there were three people talking and then there was time for, there was time for two priests and then myself. Uh, one from the Anglican and one from the Lutheran traditions, and then I spoke. And then there was they were all at tables, so they had time for conversation in their tables, and then they came back. And at, as, as they came back, they already told me that they were probably going to change the language. And then I heard later on that they actually took out the whole section relating to you know the whole settler colonialism uh, language. I'll just go a step back and say, um, from the very start they told me that they really want to have an open conversation with the Jewish community. And they missed the time. There used to be a time way before I came to Canada, so I don't know much about it. There used to be a time when there was actual ongoing meetings between the churches. And now I know we have it with the Catholic Church, but we don't have it with many of the other churches. Right, because the um, rabbinical council, as far as I remember, pulled out of this body because of their position on BDS and boycott divestment sanctions and on Israel. And, and that's why they, there is, as you said, one-on-ones, local level, interfaith, ecumenical stuff, but not at a national level, especially with the United Church, that's for sure. But they did say that they want, they want to renew, they, they want to have this relationship and they were listening they, and they said this was helpful for them to understand the language. And I told them this sort of language, I, I very clearly said that the language was this sort of language is offensive to all Jews. So, so they, I hope they listened. <laughs> okay, they took it out. And I think at least, and I think the welcoming uh, feeling there was because they want to have a conversation. That's, that's what I understood. Now, they didn't change the whole resolution. And I think I was able to express that, not that I agree with the resolution, but that this is a conversation that some of us are having for our own sake, right, for a Jewish sake, uh, for the sake of, you know, our identity and our behavior as Jews and the way we live within a framework of Torah and mitzvot. And I think that the, this sort of language of saying, okay, as, as religious people, we have, we have a space for conversation about this might have been useful. I don't know. They sent in a ringer. That's it. <laughs> the rabbinical uh, political str strategist sent in the right person, obviously, because you speak the same language, although there are other things that you, you didn't talk about, which I know that, for example, CJA and the Rabbinical Council of Canada, of which they are an offshoot, is very upset about. And that is that the Palestinians 
do not have any agency in this resolution. In other words, everything is Israel's fault, everything is the Jewish state's fault, and there's yes. no agency at all, no yes. blame. They did nothing wrong. It's all only the Palestinians, poor Palestinians, yes. which yes. that is another issue we didn't talk about, but I want to now. Uh, what, what Did you tell them that, that there's some missing parts in who's to blame? I, I, didn't, I didn't go into the whole resolution, not because I disagree with what you just said, but because I, but I had 10 minutes to talk, I wanted to be very clear about the point I am making and have enough time to develop that point in a way that they understand. Because I think a core problem, like a, a not a core problem, maybe like the basis, like the basic problem in many of these conversations is that um, Christians and people of European descent for some reason, um, use this equation. And then because they use this equation of Jews with settler colonialists in other places, they can, they can then develop it into a story they already know in their heads. But it's a different story. And it, it was really important for me to help them understand our perspective, that it is absolutely a different story. And once I think you understand that, you can already develop the conversation in other ways, right? But as long as we're, we're within this sort of framework of, you know, absolute victims and absolute perpetrators, which is the story of settler colonialism, the way they are developing it, then, then we can't move there. Like, we can't move. There's no... So I, I, I made a very... Um, like a conscious decision of focusing on one subject. You picked your battles. I absolutely picked my battles. You can all—that's <laughs> can only what you can only ever do. Yeah, um, and that was my battle. There are other issues that are uh, curious to me in this resolution that they decided they don't want to have. They want to root out Christian Zionism from their party, from their from their politics, from their from their membership. They want to support Palestinian and uh, Christians more than Christian Zionists. And I thought the current Israeli, I know the current Israeli government uh, welcomes Christian Zionists. They came to Canada. Amichai Shikli came to Canada, the diaspora minister, right, recently. And he met with several hundred of them, maybe a thousand Christian Zionists who believe in a full um, biblical state of Israel, including all the occupied territories, West Bank and Gaza, um, as as one one nation. And so... I understood this section more as an as a inner Christian conversation of some of the more liberal parts of Christianity or or some Christian theology which is embedded in you know Anglicanism and Lutheranism relating to some more uh, extreme parts of the evangelical Christian Christian movement and I, you know we have our differences within the Jewish community, and I'm sure the Christians have their own differences and their own inner conversations that have nothing to do with us, in which we might be a tool or we might be a name to be used, but it's about their own theological questions. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And then the next part is we want to reflect. This is interesting. We want to reflect upon the longstanding history of anti-Semitism in Christianity and the legacy of it in our biblical interpretation and theology. So that brings us to the next uh, major development in this synod, which is there used to be this very problematic prayer about we're going to convert all poor Jews. They refused to become Christians, and now we're going to pray and try to convert them. And that's gone. And so I wonder your thoughts about that movement, that, that development from this uh, coming out of this conference. How important is that? 
So they're not just eliminating something, they brought in a new prayer and a new hope of reconciliation. And that was another, so that was another piece of language that I used because I think, I'm hoping, right, that this is an actual intention of theirs of how do we do reconciliation work. From what I understood, I think they are worried, okay? And they, they were talking specifically, it was interesting, was the first time I heard um, people, you know, Christian people talking specifically about the Christian Palestinians, which is a very, again, it's a very specific intersection, <laughs> okay, a very specific place in society. They were talking about them. Um, they were talking about them, of course, only from the perspective of how the Jewish state is harming them and not how maybe living within a Muslim-Palestinian space might be difficult for Christians. Um, granted. Right, there was a, a cemetery on Mount Zion that was recently desecrated, and they're worried about that. So I think, you know, their resolution comes from their own worries and fears. But it was, a, again, as you say, it's, a, it's at the same moment where they're asking for reconciliation with the Jews, okay? And I'm, I'm not sure it negates each other. And, and the question is how, how uh, are we able, as a Jewish community, and want as a Jewish community to be part of this reconciliation work um, and come to it with, you know, with an open heart and open mind saying, look, we have our disagreements on many points in this resolution, but, but at least, and contrary to other resolutions that have happened over the past few years, at least they did come to us to hear, to hear our voice. And, you know, it was, for me, you know, it was scary, but also an honor to be there, to speak to all these people and to be listened to and to have them listen and, you know, be open to learning a Jewish perspective on our relationship to the land. Um, I think it's ongoing work. But, you know, we're t- I'm talking to the Jews now, because so, this is my this is who I'm talking to always. It's to us, to ourselves. How are we open to this conversation, and where do we want to be part of it? Do we? So where do where does the Jewish community now go forward? Speak first from the rabbinical council. So now what happens? The resolutions are passed. One is a good one. One is not so good. There are some issues with it. What do you guys have to do? Are you writing a letter? Are you meeting with the primate again? What's the plan? Well, I, I'm not. I'm on not on the you know Canadian rabbinic caucus. Um, I am. I'm within the you know within the reform movement in Canada. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I think there's good intention here and good intent, okay? I think people came to us wanting conversation. I don't know if everyone in the Anglican Church, but some people in the Anglican Church, some people in the Lutheran Church want conversation. We'll see. I don't know. I won't speak for institutions because I'm not part of the big institutions, but I think, I think they did, you know, they extended a hand. We extended a hand back. Maybe we can go from there. Who knows? It's always worth a try. There was a thing that they talk here. They affirm the state of Israel's rightful place in the community of nations and recognize its legitimate security needs. So they're not saying Israel has no right to exist. So that's that's a win. That's something that other uh, critics would be watching for if it's in there and that wasn't. And 
they also talk about... It's very helpful. Yeah, but then they talk about this. The world, we, at the bottom, we join the World Council of Churches in recognizing that Israeli discrimination against Palestinians is overt and systematic against human dignity and 2022 suppression of some NGOs by Netanyahu's government. They didn't mention it, but we know what, what they mean. Without effective opposition is a bad example of, of, of human rights. So anyway, those are some good things, but also problematic things. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to talk about those at all. Again, I'm, I'm only talking from a Jewish perspective and to, the, to us, to ourselves. I think we need to ask ourselves some questions about the way the state of Israel is representing us. Okay? And I think we have a right as Jews to ask these questions because it's our country. It's our land. It's our country. We need to ask questions. And when certain governments behave in certain ways, we're allowed to ask questions about it. It's our people. Not because other people are asking questions, because it's us. It's our home. We need to keep our home clean. <laughs> You did not go as a representative of the Rabbinical Council of Canada, or Sija did not send you? This was your own initiative, or there was? They knew I was going. I was in conversation with Sija. They knew I was going. But the people who approached me to go was the Anglican Church. They asked me, and then I was in conversation with my colleagues, with everyone, and, and everybody knew I was going. And I think I got Birkat Aderech to go. I did. Because I asked very specifically. <laughs> but the invitation came from that side and not from... Did the, did the Synod give you any gifts or did you bring any gifts yes. for them? Tell me what that was about. Yes. No. <laughs> I actually got a gift. Um, no, they were... They were lovely. They were... Thank you card. I got a beautiful little picture of Pigeon Lake, which is a lake here in the area um, between Calgary and Alberta uh, and Edmonton. Um, and they were just very welcoming. Like, I, I, I met, I can't, they, they were mamash thankful. Like, they actually, they were thankful that I came. They said they wanted to hear what, what we were saying, what the Jews were saying. Um, they listened. They, they were in conversation. So it, it felt very safe to be there. Really appreciate you being on the CJN Daily. It's been great to meet you. Thank you very much. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Barry Seltzer in Vaughan. And we'll end with a note that on tomorrow's show, you'll hear from the Anglican Archbishop Greg Kerr-Wilson, who moved the motion and why he brought it forward 20 years after his own trip to the land of Israel. It's a fascinating conversation. Here's a sneak peek. Thanks for listening. Because I think it's really important to put it this way, and I, I kind of wish we had, had changed uh, in one of the other paragraphs farther down in the explanation. It said, you know, recognizing that Israeli discrimination, and I, I think it would have been greatly preferable to say the government of Israel's <laughs> discrimination, because for me that's a, that's a, a huge distinction, that there's many Israelis who disagree with Israeli government policy.